We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, almost couldn't spit it out there. Happy Friday, TGIF. Hope you're all doing well. Chris Phillips here, the Daily Crow of the Spurs Up Show. Appreciate you all tuning in. We have got a packed show, a lot to get into here on this Friday. I see breaking Jacob E. Stephen Boyle Jr., Travi, Noah Johns, John Edward, Todd Smith. What is up? Also, those in the Big Cock Club Discord, over the TDC Questions channel, the TDC Questions channel, be sure your questions are answered there. We're taking your questions, your comments, your calls as well. 843-790-3377. Again, here on this Friday, January the 27th, 2023. I see Elizabeth Ballard in the TDC question center. Yeah, I saw that they had they had Brandon Walker on the show, um, which is a big get. We've been trying to get Brandon Walker on. Uh, he said he was interested, so hopefully we can make that happen uh, here soon. Yeah, Todd Smith, we got the new merch on. As you see, this is the Beamer Rattler 2023 uh, foam trucker hat, but the trucker hat indeed, and the 7 plus 3 Equals touchdown, comfort colors, T-shirt. The new merch has come in. Absolutely love it. Be sure to go get yours today. TSUS.store. Hey, don't forget, if you're in the Big Cock Club, you get 20% off all merchandise. You've got a lifetime 20% off promo code. Be sure to use that at checkout. But again, guys, really excited to chat with you all here on this Friday. Appreciate you all tuning in. TGIF, we got a lot to get into. And again, thank you all so much. I got a fresh cut here on a Friday. We got new merch. It's beautiful outside, feeling really good. Again, I'm excited to chat with you all. Here we go. Let's go ahead and jump right into the phone line. Hunter, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good, man. What about you? I'm doing fantastic. Appreciate you asking. What's going on? Oh, nothing. Just uh, McDonald's line. What you getting? Uh, what you getting yeah, to McDonald's, my guy? What's your go-to at McDonald's? What you getting? Uh, two Big Macs and a uh, sweet tea. Usually two Big Coke Macs and a I'm sweet good. tea. Love that. Love that. Yeah, usually I go with Coke, but uh, I guess tea is for today. I I drank too much yesterday. But um, yeah. So uh, was this guy that committed today around four thirty? Uh, is there any I guess like good news for him that wants to commit to us or? Is there any good news from, what'd you say, from somebody that wants to commit to us? You talking about him specifically, somebody else? What are you referring to? 
Yeah, I think his name is uh, Wendell, Wendell uh, Gregory. Yeah, Wendell Gregory, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure. Did he have a crystal ball on him? Um, I have not seen – I mean, I can check really quickly. I mean, as far as I know, we're in pretty good shape. Um, yeah. I mean, it looks like there's no crystal ball predictions. Um, it's us, Tennessee, Mizzou, Arkansas. I think those are the top four for him. But, uh, okay. yeah, four-star linebacker out of the state of Georgia. So, from everything I've heard, we're in good position. I mean, I'm not 110% sure on it. But uh, everything I've heard, I think we're in a good spot. So, six foot four, 220 pounds. Should have asked J.C. Sherbert about this yesterday. But, uh, yeah, it'd be a huge get, right? Because linebacker's a, a, an area of need for us. So, uh, and would be our fourth four-star for the 2024 class. We'd be four for four on uh, four stars for the 2024 class. So, it'd be big. It'd be very big. Okay. Um. Yeah. Well, hopefully on February first we'll get good news about Nicholas Harbor. I mean, I have a real good, real good feeling. Um. I mean, I, I was talking, I was just bragging about it to uh to um to my brother-in-law about mm-hmm. it. Like, yeah, we're about to get this five star, and he was like, oh yeah, it's just a crystal ball. I mean, you, you don't know he's going to be committing to you. He, he could just flip and go go somewhere else. But I don't know. I just have a good feeling that he's going to come to us. So. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic. Obviously, Oregon gets the gets the final visit this weekend, which is a little scary. But, I mean, yeah, the crystal ball I saw yeah. came in 100% South Carolina, which, uh, I mean, even I, – I tell you this. I mean, obviously you want to land him, but just even it be at this point, to be getting a crystal ball for a guy like Nicholas Harbor, I think it just says a lot about your program. And we're, we're in a good place right now. You're not landing a guy or even in, right, right. Even in conversations with a guy. You're not one of his finalists if your program is not, um, you know, doing some really good things and on solid ground, if you will, solid footing. So, um, you know, it's exciting times. And, man, I mean, what a what a land Nicholas Harbor would be if, uh, you know, if you are able to, to score him. Exactly, yeah. No, I appreciate it, man. That's all I needed. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Hunter, I appreciate it, man. No problem. Yeah, take care. Great stuff. Hunter in line at McDonald's getting two Big Macs. How about it? How about it? Great stuff. Uh, looks like Gamecock football just dropped a video. Somebody saying there was announcement in the video. Uh, what was the announcement? Can anybody tell me? I, I I don't have time or, yeah, I'm not, I don't have time to watch a seven minute video right now from Gamecock football. What was in the, uh, the video? I'm just curious. Anyways, eight four three seven nine zero three three seven seven guys, in case you missed it, yesterday's podcast taught catchers as we, we continue to break down the yard cocks, make sure. You check that out. We are officially three weeks away from opening day. Let's jump back to the phone lines here. Dalton. Dalton, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing a little bit better. Uh, COVID sucks, but, you know, I think uh, by the end of the weekend, I should be uh, back to 100%. So, it's a good thing. Uh, but I wanted to call and, and sort of uh, steer the conversation back to baseball mm-hmm. because obviously, you know, we're, we're getting ready to start the season. And my question to you is uh, which guys in our lineup are you looking to take the biggest step forward as like consistent uh, run producers mm-hmm. and, and consistent hitters this year? 
Well, I think first you got to start with Braylon Wimmer, right? He he's your returning guy. I think he's your returning big bat. I, I would expect Braylon Wimmer. You need him to perform at an all conference level. Um, you know, so I, I'd first look at Wimmer. You know, a guy that turned down a six figure signing bonus per Mark Kingston, and you know could have went to the MLB draft, and instead decided to come back. And you know, felt like he had an unfinished business. You know, he's a guy that's six foot four. Um, absolutely blazing speed going to play shortstop this year but again I think swinging a stick I think looking for him to to take the next step and be a leader for you um I think they're expecting guys like Talmadge LeCroy at catcher who again we talked about yesterday in depth and uh, Carson Hornung guys to make sophomore to make strides from their freshman to sophomore years you know guys that I think last year showed flashes and ideally right if you had a little more depth or a little more veteran team or you know uh, the injury bug didn't hit you so hard you probably would have liked those guys to not have had to play such a big role last year but you'd like to think that uh you know you'd, you'd like to think that's going to help you this year so I think you look at those guys Cole Messina to make jumps as well and then a lot of it man is going to be uh a lot of it's going to be transfer portal guys you know Gavin Cassis uh Caleb Denny the transfer portal guy from Oral Roberts uh, McGillis, who's going to be your starting second baseman. He comes from Southern Miss. I'm trying to make sure I remember all these correctly. Um, who's the other cat? Who's the other guy? Uh, Jacob Compton from Memphis. So you're depending on a lot of transfer portal dudes for sure. Also, Michael Braswell, Kevin Madden. You know, they return. Can they make a jump? Dylan Brewer over from Clemson. He comes. He might be a starting outfielder for you. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's a mix. You know, I know I just listed a bunch of guys, but it's a mix of transfer portal guys and and returners. But, I mean, I was looking at the lineup yesterday, the projected starting lineup from D1Baseball.com, Dalton. Six of the nine in the lineup are new starters from a year ago. And I, and I guess, right, we can – you can almost find some optimism in that because, you know, you wanted to completely flip, flip the lineup. It was a lineup that hit like 220 last year. So, it, it's nice to have, you know, these fresh new faces. But six of nine of the opening day starters that they have listed – and their projected lineup were not starters a year ago. So, you know, for, for for those that, you know, maybe you don't subscribe to D1 Baseball or maybe you don't listen all that close to my show or you just don't follow baseball closely, if you just tune in to opening day and you're expecting to see some familiar faces, you might be a little disappointed because it's going to be a lot of new-look faces, a lot of new-look guys. Again, you hammered the transfer portal for a reason, but uh, – you know, I'd say the guys, if I had to give you, like, narrow it down, the guys that have to have or really, really need to have a good season, I think Braylon Wimmer for sure. Gavin Cassis, the Vandy transfer, has to – he needs to live up to the hype. Um, I would say, you know, Will McGillis. Um, you know, I mean, you, you, you try to narrow it down to two or three. But really, man, one through nine, we just got to be better. I mean, everybody's just got to be better, man. We, we've got to be tougher. we got to be, you know, tougher outs, if you will. And, um, and I think we will. And, you know – from everything Kingston said, I guess the, on the flip side, though, the scary thing for me is that, and I've said this before, but we've seen this, we've seen this movie before, and the ship still sinks, right? Where South Carolina brings these transfer portal guys in, and they just don't live up to, uh, they don't live up to the hype. Just bottom line, they they don't they, they, we don't get the most out of them, or their their numbers fall off. And you know, I'm hoping with the injection, obviously, of Monty Lee and his his hitting philosophy and. Um, you know, Kingston and Lee putting their heads together that, that this can be a productive lineup because, again, you got all the pitching in the world. You've you got a plethora of riches when it comes to, uh, you know, to, to your pitching, right? So um, those are a couple of the guys, but Dalton, it's, it's going to be, especially early on, it's going to, I'm sure they're going to tinker with the lineup some, play around with it. But I will tell you this the beginning of this season, right? And the non conference schedule, yeah, you've got the annual rivalry with Clemson, but outside of that, I know Penn was a, 
was a good team last year. They gave Texas A&M some trouble. But I think the non-conference is so important for this group. Like, I think we're going to kind of know, honestly, going into SEC play. And I'm not trying to make any unfair, draw any unfair conclusions, if you will, from the first 15, 20 games. But if you're not ripping the cover off the ball against teams like UMass Lowell and Bethune-Cookman and, you know, the midweeks you have in the first couple of weeks, if, if you're not swinging it well then, how can you expect to swing it well in SEC play? Where every weekend you're facing MLB draft picks. So I think it's really important to get off to a hot start this year. Well, my question to you is obviously, you know, throughout the Mark Kingston tenure, we've seen a major reliance on home runs, right? Which hitting home runs is awesome. I mean, there's there's a mm-hmm. lot of home runs in, in the college game. Uh, hitting is easier. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're using metal bats the uh, VLO isn't as high for the most part, mm-hmm. generally speaking. So, I mean, hitting is supposed to be easy and there are a lot of home runs, but throughout, you know, Mark Kingston's tenure, when we basically we've only had success when we are hitting a whole lot of runs, like, or a whole lot of home runs. Mm-hmm. We haven't really been able to generate the, the small ball type, uh, you know, runs right we're, we're not able to hit it gap to gap we're not able to you know hit hit infield singles do you think uh you know we'll see more of a change in approach to where we're you know not as reliant on home runs this year by bringing Monty Lee in well I, I think they want there to be a balance right I mean I, I think Mark Kingston's made it very clear and and I believe this too right that I think ingrained in the culture of South Carolina baseball is hitting bombs, right? We, we, we've always had power. We've always prided ourselves on power. We've always played in a ballpark at home, whether it be Sarge Fry Field or Founders Park, where it's a bomb box. Like, you can hit bombs, right? So, I mean, I, I definitely, to your point, like, I don't want to stray away from something that has been so ingrained in the culture of Carolina baseball, but there has to be a balance, right? There has to be. I mean, really, truly, when you look at it, as much as I love, like I'm a Justin Smoke guy, admittedly, you know, I loved the, the 06, 07 teams with, with Murderer's Row, with Smoke, Disher, Darnell, Havens, Grindstaff, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Um, you know, those teams, I think one of the big reasons they lost, right, is because they got to the postseason and they were reliant on the home run and the pitching wasn't quite as good. And what was so interesting, what was so interesting is that 10 and 11 and even 12, those teams didn't win it all or get to Omaha and get to the finals because they hit a bunch of bombs. They were fundamentally sound teams. They could hit home runs. They did hit home runs, but they were fundamentally sound teams. They could bunt. They could move a runner over. They could hit and run. They could steal bases. They could do what they needed to do, and also they were elite on the mound, right? So you don't want to go away from the home run. I I mean, I think ideally in a perfect world you have a balance, right, where you've got a couple of guys – you know, maybe your three, four, five hole hitters or, or your big bombers, your big bats, if you will. And ideally, you got a lineup full of guys that can go can go yard, but they're also well-rounded hitters, right? I look at a guy like a Christian Walker. I mean, that dude's got crazy power. There's a reason he's still doing it at the pro level, right? He's a damn good pro at that. But he's a sound hitter, all-around hitter. There's a reason he was in the three-hole for Carolina as a true freshman. I mean, the guy hit like 315 throughout his college career, you know, he hit for power, he hit for average, he could hit situationally. Like, he is a special case, right? There aren't a lot of Christian walkers out there. Um, so, again, I, do I, do, what do I think this team's going to do? 
I think they still want to hit for power. I think a guy like Gavin Cassis, like you look at him and I think he's a dude that could be double digit homers by the time you get to SEC play. Like he is a big time, big body dude. You know, Mark Kingston was talking about it. I think two days ago he went on sports talk and was saying that uh, I think it was Caleb Denny already had like two or three homers in their batter versus uh, batter versus pitcher, uh, you know, situations they were doing before their inner squads. He's already got a couple bombs. So I, I don't think they totally go away from that, but it's all about situational Dalton. I mean, you got a guy on second, nobody out. You got two strikes on you. Worst case scenario, get well, the, the runner problem, to third. You know what I mean? Like, just, just being a smart baseball player. Situational hitting, though, has been taken completely out of the game for the most part. I mean, they don't really even teach it in the pros. But, yeah, you know, at the college level where you have an issue producing runs, especially, you know, like we had last year, you have to do whatever you can to get runs on the board. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean – yeah. And I just haven't seen King do that. Yeah. But my last question, and then I'll, I'll let you take it off air, is do you think, uh, you know, we'll be getting more production from the uh, from the catcher spot? Because obviously last year, you know, our catcher, he, he w- was pretty decent defensively. I mean, he mm-hmm. threw a lot of runners out, but we just really couldn't get anything going at the plate but uh, i appreciate you taking my call dalton i appreciate the call thank you so much really really great stuff and i appreciate dalton selfishly injecting uh, baseball into the conversation but um yeah south carolina will be much improved i i could see the catcher spot being the greatest improvement from last year to this year on the offensive side of things because colin burgess give him credit listen love burgie barrels to death but uh defensively he was he was he was stout one of the best in the sec offensively hit 205 and you've got your catcher down in the nine hole eight hole whatever it was hitting 205 you need more than that man you got to have more than that and so I think when you look at a Talmadge Lee Croy who I think is going to be your opening day catcher you look at a Cole Messina behind him you look at a Jonathan French uh, who's your third catcher who came over from Clem Sucks and then Xander Buchan the local product from uh from AC floor I believe it is but You've got quality depth at catcher, and, and Kingston has talked about he's expecting both Lee Croy and Messina to make major jumps from their freshman and sophomore year. I do expect Lee Croy. Love the way he plays the game. He's a gritty baseball player. Again, like what he does defensively as well. I think Lee Croy has a really, really good shot to, to be one of those one of those guys that makes a massive jump from the freshman, freshman to sophomore campaign and really has a good year for you. Again, I think offensively, the catcher position is going to be exponentially upgraded. We'll see how Lee Croy holds up over the course of a season defensively. I think he'll be fine. But, uh, you know, the goal is to get your nine best hitters in the lineup. And certainly you don't want to sacrifice anything defensively at the catcher spot because that is a really, really important spot. But upgrading that position offensively, as much as I loved Colin Burgess, um, you know, I, I don't think you're going to see our catcher hit 205 this year. Let me just say that. And I think you're going to see a – uh, a power surge as well from that position. I love what Cole Messina can do with the power. Big, broad guy. Uh, I think he's going to hit a ton of bombs for you. He's going to be a big impact guy in the lineup. But Talmadge Lee Croy, I think, is your starting catcher. I, I think he's going to swing it. I think he's going to swing it well. And I think he'll uh, he'll serve very well defensively as well. And, again, I think that position, that will be a massive upgrade this year. So, I, I, I'm excited for Lee Croy. Um, and, again, you've got depth. To think about the fact that Clemson's starting catcher last year or a guy who was in their starting lineup, Jonathan French, it's your third catcher, your third catcher. So, you know, we will, uh, we'll see. But, um, yeah, you've got quality depth, man. you got quality depth for sure. Mm, let's see. Yeah, I mean, dude, Jacob E., I mean, Kingston said it about Evan Stone. If you listen to, again, a couple of days ago, 
Uh, when he talked to, and, and that's how you know, again, I, I'm a baseball junkie, man. I'm a baseball guy. I've been listening to all the Kingston stuff and, you know, all the, all the, all the preseason media availability, stuff like that. They actually get going today with inner squads at Founders Park. Our good friend Skyland Davis will be there. Um, I, I thought about going down, but uh, didn't work this weekend. Maybe next week and I'll be able to make the trip. But uh, no, it's, it's Kingston mentioned this about, you know, sacrificing offense for defense when he talked about Evan Stone, right? He said that Evan Stone's a guy that, and they expect him to make a big jump as well and, and hold his own offensively. But they said, you know, he's so fast and he's so good out there in the outfield. If he can hit 250, he can get 250. I mean, dude, Kingston literally said it about George Khalil when he said any offense he gives us is a plus. Any. Any. So, and yeah, Jacob, I, I you know, I hate to agree with you, but you are right, man. Colin Burgess is, you know, again, we had the Burgey Barrels merch, and he was a TSUS athlete, but, I mean, he was practically guaranteed out, especially when he got to season's end, man. I mean, he just, he was just overmatched. He was overmatched by SEC pitching, and, um, just didn't have a good year. You know, I, I don't want to sit there and say he can't hit SEC pitching because he did, right? He did. He made a big impact for us for a couple of years, but just wasn't his year last year. Just was not a good year, and um, yeah. So, anyways, guys, Gamecock football dropping some dropping some fire here on a uh, dropping some fire on a Friday, a seven minute video. Mm-mm. Anyways, guys, I want to continue to hear from you. 843-790-3377. Kins, here's a great question from Kins. Is the baseball team closer to Omaha or is the basketball team closer to the NIT? Absolutely baseball team closer to Omaha. I don't even think it's close. This team, we got dogs barking in the background. This team could go to Omaha. This team, really, truly, if they can hit, this team could go to Omaha, no question, in my mind. No question, no question. Basketball, to me, is light years away. Let's jump to the phone line. Skyler, what's up, man? What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Appreciate you asking. What's going on? I'm going on with these wings to get my lunch. I headed to the baseball screen. Very nice, very nice. I hear you got some dogs in the background. Sound like your dog city. Yeah, yeah, I got the uh... – I got the ladies' dogs here with me. They they bark at every single sound you could imagine. So it's it's been a blast. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I bet you wish you was in Columbia today, or wish you still live there today, especially days like this to, to be able to go catch a scrimmage. I know. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they'll scrimmage next next weekend. If they're scrimmaging next weekend, I'll be down there. They will. They will scrimmage all the next three weekends. Yeah. So. I'm sure they're not going to go too far today. Maybe, what, four, between four and seven innings today. Nice, 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 yeah. yeah. I I would imagine what, you'll probably see Will Sanders pitch three, three innings, maybe four or something like that. I'm curious to see who, who does pitch today. I mean, if I'm a coach, I'll go ahead and pitch my starting rotation to go ahead and try to get their arms in that mm-hmm. rotation. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> I mean, yeah, dude, you got, you got three weeks. I'd be shocked if it's not. You know, I, I just – I know they're competing. I, I know that, uh, you know, Kingston said they've got six guys right now competing for those those four starter spots, right? He's including the Tuesday night roll. So, I'm right. sure you'll see, you know, all six will pitch. I think all six will be groomed to start if needed. 
Um, right. You know, you'll probably hit, they'll, but but I would imagine this: they'll go into this weekend with six. They'll go into next weekend with maybe five, and then by by the following, um, they will have their four guys. You know what I mean? Like they're going to start to to narrow it down. Um, so, yeah. You can imagine your Sunday guy because the way he's talking about uh, Mahoney and that Eli Zimmerick hitting 97, 96 on a Sunday. Well, I mean, that's that's what you got to do in the SEC, man. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just what you got to do in the SEC. That is the SEC, bro. So, we've – 96, 97 yeah. is like Friday night material. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. No, I, I mean, dude, I – you know, not too long ago, right, we were watching Jack Mahoney in 2021 and what he was doing, and, I mean, you, you knew – you know, both he and Sanders were freshmen, and you—I I mean, it, I knew it from right then. It was like, all right, these are future weekend guys, like thousand percent. So, even though Keaton said that he ain't got his set rotation, I still think Sunday's job is really up to Jack Mahoney to lose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's—I think it's Sanders, Hall, Mahoney at this point, from everything we've heard. Jerzen Beck is the Tuesday guy, and then uh, Hicks and and Becker in the bullpen. All you baseball guys are surprised that Jonathan French isn't starting. He heard it last night that Lee Croy and uh, Messina has made tremendous proof. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think French is your third catcher. Yeah, everything I've heard. I mean, I've, I've listened yeah. to probably everything you've listened to from, you know, all the, the media availability and all that. And, yeah, I mean, it's – it's. Uh, I mean, you know, to be, to be fair, I mean, French is a guy that hit like 215 at Clemson. So, I mean – And he's the slowest guy on the team. Yeah. But I'm definitely uh, excited for baseball. I know Keisha said we're going to have some, a balance between power and speed, mm. and we're going to give, you know, we got some good lefties in the lineup. And he's, I think he pronounced his name, uh, was it Cassius? That better than anyone right now. Yeah. I mean, Kingston literally said that Gavin Cassis is the, has been the best hitter since he stepped foot on campus. So that's right. that's a hell of a uh, vote of confidence there. And like I told you, I mean, even you got on to me about this. If he stays healthy, I I like compare him to like not like like one of the Gamecock greats, but I want to say he's going to be uh, just as good or better than Kyle Martin. Mm-hmm. I want to say close to just as close to Christian Walker because I mean he can be, but that's just you know that's just. Some high expectations. Yeah, comparing anybody to Justin Smoke, man. I mean, I'm still, I'm still kind of, I still kind of got a, I don't know. When when Kingston compared Josiah Seitler to to Justin Smoke, that just, I don't know, man. If you're gonna compare somebody to Justin Smoke, they better be like the dude. They better be the dude. Well, we better live. I just feel like, like I said, I just feel like we're gonna live by the home run ball. They said that Caleb Denny kid. Is he didn't hit three home runs in mm. twelve at bats, so I mean he got some power out there. Yeah. Well, I just hope to see a mix, man. I hope to see a mix of of, of you know power. We we've got some speed. Um, be able to hit home situationally runs. when you need to hit situationally, and just cut down on strikeouts. I I know it's tough. I, I understand the guys in the SEC throwing ninety six, ninety seven again, like we've got. But uh, so it's much easier said than done, right? But. Uh, you know, it's it's all about grinding out tough at bats, right? You probably know on Friday nights you're probably gonna have to win two to one, three to two. It's gonna be up to a guy like Will Sanders to to shove. And I mean, it really goes throughout the entire weekend, man. Saturday, Sunday, it starts to loosen up a bit, and you can score some more runs. But 
Uh, that's why against those guys, man, you you got to be able to hit situationally because you might not have a ton of opportunities, right? You might not have a ton of opportunities if they walk a guy or they commit an error or whatever. And uh, so you got to be able to get that guy in, especially when you get guys in scoring position. You got to be able to get them in, bottom line. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, what we will see. It's something we haven't been able to do under Mark Kingston. We haven't been able to do consistently enough. And um, so I don't doubt we're going to hit the home run, but will we, be a, will we be a well-rounded offensive team? That's just the question. Right, so, right, right. Yeah. If you want to, uh, I want to uh... – I want to give ending by ending updates, kind of like maybe try to do a little score stat sheet. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna like put, I'll just give you an example. I will put like, you know, Stone. I'm gonna go like Stone. I'm gonna say Stone Wimmer and Braswell. And I'm gonna say Stone Strikeout. I'm just gonna post the half ending updates in my page, mm-hmm. so you can follow there, or I can see text updates. Gotcha. Would appreciate that, my guy. I am excited for baseball this year. Oh, yeah. Same, hey, same here, my guy. Same here. <laughs> well, I tell you this. I, I'm really scared of that, you know, because homers are great, but solo homers don't win you games. Like, mm. homers are the guys on base with you games. Mm. So, I, I just feel like hopefully we can get the guys on base hit with average with power. Because mm. I wouldn't really care about, you know, the speed. I, I want to see a mixture between average and power. Instead of speed and power, because if you just got power, you're not getting guys on base. You're not really going to win ball games by any mm-hmm. so long. So that's my opinion. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Well, yeah, Skyland, keep me updated with the scrimmage, my guy, if you don't mind. I will, I will, and uh, I will go bet the Cody Johnson concert tonight. So I'm gonna be lit. <laughs> I love it, man. Enjoy yourself. Have a good one. We'll talk soon. All right. You too, brother. Bye. All right, brother. Later. Great stuff from Skyline. Guys, we got Kyle Peterson, ESPN College Baseball Analyst, joining us at 1 o'clock today. So, with that being said, we're going to jump into a break a little bit earlier also. I'm going to go wrestle these dogs and try to try to put them up so we can cut out the barking. That's just dogs, man. When you got kids, I don't know. Anyways, guys, um, going to jump into a quick break. On the other side, I want to continue to hear from you. More of your questions, your comments, your calls, and more. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls as well. 843-790-3377. What's up, Cocky Twan? Appreciate you tuning in, my friend. Guys, I can't help but uh, shamelessly plug here. We got the new merchandise on. You see the Beamer Rattler 2023 foam trucker hat. We got the 7 plus 3 equals touchdown. The comfort colors. Absolutely love it, man. I love the way this merch turned out. And this is basically, we got one more drop. And we'll have more drops as we get closer. But, uh, you know, this is the start of your new merchandise for the 2023 football season. Really, really excited. Again, excited to chat with you all. 843-790-3377. Also excited to chat with Kyle Peterson. One o'clock today. ESPN college baseball analyst. Really, really pumped. Had Kyle on the show, I think, like two years ago. Something like that. But, uh I mean, I'd say one of the best in the business, if not the best, guys. Truly incredible. It's an honor that he'll be joining the show and talking some college baseball. And you know that baseball season's around the corner, and we're starting to get the kind of guests we are from Aaron Fit of D1 Baseball to, to Kyle Peterson. We'll get my 11.7 guys on here soon. Uh, might even reach out to some of the Baseball America Perfect Game guys, what have you. Would love to talk with them as well. But uh, really, really excited, guys, and appreciate you all Tuning in. So, uh, anyways, 843 
That is 843-790-3377. Big announcement today. Wendell Gregory, he will be committing at 430, the four-star linebacker in the 2024 class out of the state of Georgia, Marietta, Georgia, Walton High School, a .9419. I tell you what, you land him, that 24 class, all of a sudden just, I mean, it's it's already shaping up to be electric, but this could be a class, you know, you keep up this momentum, this could be a class that rivals that 07 class, right, that, that Steve Spurrier pulled in, seventh rank in the country, and we all know recruiting is a lifeblood in any great program. So um, really, really exciting stuff happening in Columbia. So anyways... Let's see. 843-790-337. Guys, by the way, really excited to announce we are giving away a pair of tickets to the South Carolina LSU women's basketball game on February the 12th. I have not dropped the actual giveaway yet, but I figured I'd just go ahead and tease you all with that. We are running a giveaway for that very, very soon probably next week, and it'll be something very similar to the giveaways we've done on social media where it's, you know, like this post, tag three friends, and, uh, you know, you must follow the Spurs Up show, and I think we're going to team up with Carolina Alehouse, but we've got a pair of tickets to the South Carolina LSU women's basketball game. That game, by the way, is sold out. The game is sold out, so very, very pumped. Alex White, yes, there is a spring tour. For Alehouse and TSUS. Indeed, my friend. Indeed, Alex. That will be beginning late March or early April, I believe. We're still working on finalizing the dates. But uh, that will be coming to you very soon. I'm hoping to have the dates announced by end of next week. I thought it was going to be by end of this week. But, uh, you know, things things working behind the scenes, if you will. Alex White, yes, we will come to Fort Mill. Yes, sir. We'll be in Fort Mill. The only location we will not go to that we went to last summer is Augusta. So, sorry to my CSRA Gamecocks. We will not be there for whatever reason. They just didn't want to do Augusta. I don't know. Uh, either way, yes, we will be coming to Fort Mill, all of the locations, downtown Greenville, Woodruff Road, Fort Mill, Somerville, Myrtle Beach, and, of course, Columbia in Harbison. Really looking forward to it. So, again, appreciate you all. I'm very excited for the spring tour. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have merchandise on hand, of course, giveaways. and you know, I'll be bringing the – the speaker and, and and the mic, just like last time, and we'll give you guys an update on everything from business to, of course, the Gamecocks. And by the time we go on the tour, you know, we'll be really in the thick of baseball season and getting closer and closer to the postseason, if you will. Also, I'm planning on going to Hoover for the SEC tournament. Uh, probably going to try to hammer a couple of road series, including Arkansas, Mississippi State. Might even go to Athens for the Georgia series. You never know. So, uh, unfortunately – Unfortunately, that weekend of the spring game, South Carolina's at Vandy. I would have loved to have gone to that, but, you know, duty calls of the spring game. So it is what it is. Uh, I'll be excited. Hopefully another night spring game. But, uh, yeah, Alex White, you are more than welcome, my friend, to come on by and debate whatever you want to debate. You you are more than welcome to, to come on by, my friend. Anybody, all are welcome, all Gamecocks. If you're a Clem Sucks fan and you want to come by as well, you can do so. I think Alex White is a Clem Sucks fan. You're more than welcome, though, to come on by. We can talk ball. Should be a really, really good time. And uh, we'll have drink specials, food specials, everything. Again, giveaways, merch. It'll be a great time. So, um, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Uh, anyways, anyways, yesterday's pod, guys, like I mentioned, we talked catchers going into the 2023 season. 
Uh, Monday's podcast, we will start to go around the infield. We'll talk first base. Thursday's show, we'll go second base. Then the next week, we'll go shortstop. We'll go third. Then we'll go outfield as a whole. And then we'll be there, basically, the week of opening day. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, the week of opening day, that Monday show, we'll talk everything from predictions, projected lineup, projected pitching rotation, all that good stuff. And then Thursday, of course, we dive right into it, guys, with our first series preview of the 2023 season. So really excited. Um, obviously, you guys know I love baseball. Love kind of baseball to death and uh, really excited to start talking about it. Also, guys, let me shamelessly plug this as well. So I got a bunch of our new merch last night. And uh, John Ever, no, I have not talked. Or did I talk first base? No, I did talk first base. You're right. I, I already said first base. Yeah, maybe, maybe I just mentioned it again. My bad. Yeah, so I, I went first base, then catcher. I know I kind of went backwards there. Anyways, John Edward, yeah, we'll go around the infield. Yeah, John Edward knows the schedule even better than I do. Um, anyways, anyways, what I was going to say is shamelessly plugging. I got a bunch of our new merch last night, and this uh, this golf merch that we have, my goodness, folks, I know that we've made some polos before. They were kind of this, let's call it for what it is. They, they were just a material that I didn't love, honestly, more of like a cottony, like no, nobody's wearing that anymore. Now, my vendor has Adidas polos available. I mean, chef's kiss. They are absolutely incredible. Again, I got mine in last night. I got a Beamer Rattler 2023 golf polo. And then we got quarter, three-quarter zips as well. We got quarter zips. What is it? It's not three-quarters. Quarter zips. We got quarter zips in as well. And I got mine with the TSUS logo. But if there's anybody out there, we got any golfers right, that tune into TSUS, and because I know I have not made a bunch of golf uh, merch before, if there's anything on our store, whether it be Beamer Ball, Shane Storm, Clem Sucks, anything you can think of that you want on a golf polo, please reach out to me, because I, I feel like there's a decent demand for it, but I don't know if there's really enough of a demand to go through and create everything I've ever created as a golf polo. However, though, I'm more than happy to do it, because like I said, the polos are fire. I mean, the polos are fire. So, uh, y'all let me know. If we got any golfers out there, we'd love to make a quarter zip. We'd love to make a polo. Whatever y'all want, uh, we can do it. Anyways, guys, um, talking on the baseball side of things, again, I thought great questions from Dalton earlier. And, yeah, I, I just think it's – you know, I think when you look at this team, it's just so important to get off to a quick start because they, they hear all the chatter. They know what the storylines are. And this lineup knows that it's got to hit. We got to hit. Pitching's going to be there. Pitching's going to be there. We, we've got elite arms. We've got electric arms. We've got to be able to swing the sticks. Bottom line, point blank, in a discussion. And I think it's so important for this group to get off to a quick start. When you take a look at your non-conference schedule, right? UMass Lowell, Penn. You've got the rivalry series with Clem Sucks. But then Bethune-Cookman. With all due respect to those teams that I just mentioned, and you've got your midweeks in there too, and I think your midweek slate, honestly, it's pretty manageable. When you look at those teams, and I'll do respect to them, if you're not tearing the cover off of the baseball by the time you get to SEC play, that's going to be a cause for concern to me, right? Especially when you look at the last couple of years and, and the negative trend that is that South Carolina has just never really hit under Mark Kingston, at least not consistently. And as we were talking earlier, you know, we I feel confident in saying right now to you all, I think the power is going to be there. 
You know, guys like Braylon Wimmer, Cassis, Denny, Compton, you know, even LeCroy, Messina, Hornung. Like, you got guys that can go yard in your lineup. Madden, but will you be able to consistently be productive? Power is great, but can you be productive? Because when you get into SEC play and you're facing these electric arms, right? We think we got a good pitching staff, and we do, but everybody in the SEC has a good pitching staff. Everybody in the SEC's got guys throwing 96, 97 miles an hour. Everybody in the SEC's got relievers that are throwing nasty breaking stuff and electric moving fastballs. Everybody's got that. So are you able to scratch out five, six, seven runs in SEC play? Are you able to, when the home run is not there, are you able to be productive, right? That's what it comes down to. Power's great, but you got to have both sides. Power and productivity, that's what this lineup has lacked severely over the last couple of years. And it's the reason why you revamped this lineup with, you, with, uh, with transfer portal guys, right? Because last year wasn't good enough. You get like 220 as a team in SEC play. It's got to be better. And again, I think it starts early on. You've got to take advantage of the non-conference pitching, show some life, show those strides of improvement so that you have maximum confidence going into SEC play, right? And especially you look at the midweek too. Midweeks are huge. We were terrible in the midweek last year. And I think with... The elite pitching you've added, I think with guys coming back healthy and the the depth that you have now, and my goodness, fingers crossed, my goodness, fingers crossed that, uh, you know, you don't have the injury bug hit you this year. But uh, if you've got a guy like Eli uh, Jerzimbeck pitching for you on Tuesday nights, you, you should not lose a midweek game. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm willing to say that right now. You shouldn't lose a midweek game, guys. You, you should not. And, and I know that's probably a little unrealistic, very rarely do teams go undefeated in the midweek, although the 2010 Gamecocks did, right? We saw how that worked out. But very rarely do you go undefeated in the midweek, right? But but you should not lose more than a handful of those games. I, you, you really shouldn't. You really shouldn't. So, um, you know, I'm excited for this team. I, I'll tell you this, guys. I'll tell you this. If this team doesn't win this year, if this team falls short of expectations, it's not because this team – lacks talent, okay? It's not because this team lacks talent. This team far from lacks talent. I mean, this is an Omaha caliber pitching staff. It's an Omaha caliber pitching staff. I said what I said. What will you do offensively? that's, That's the question. That's the question. The answer to that question will determine the fate of this season. But this team's got hella talent all over it. This team has got an incredible amount of talent. We'll see what happens. Lynn Turner, what colors for the quarter zips? Uh, we got black and white. Unfortunately, there's no garnet color zip. Or garnet. There's no garnet color quarter zip. So black and white quarter zips. Uh, my guy Slayer of Queens Chase in the Big Cock Club Discord, BCC quarter zips. Yeah, I'll get that made. Yeah, we can do black and white. Um, but a black quarters, if yeah, would look incredible. So yeah, you let me know, Chase. I can go ahead and get that made. Um, so Lynn Turner says Kingston teams always concentrated on power. We won the natty on small ball. Timely hitting was our hallmark in those days, but Lynn, we could still hit the home run, right? It's like, I was talking to Dalton earlier. Like you are correct. That's the ironic part is like the, the 06, 07 teams that, that had the murderers row lineups, all the home runs, the big bashers, those teams didn't even make it to Omaha. Those teams didn't even go to Omaha, much less win at all, right? It was the teams in 10, 11, and 12 that, but those teams, it's it's not like they couldn't hit a bomb, Lynn. You know, right? We saw, we saw it all the time. 
Christian Walker, JBJ, you know, Whit Merrifield could go yard from time to time, right? I mean, we had guys that could hit homers, but it was we were well-rounded. We were productive. We, you know, I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr., for example, I mean, that guy was hitting like 350. Like, he wasn't just hitting a bunch of homers, right? Dude was hitting like 350. Christian Walker was hitting 330, right? I mean, it, it, it wasn't this, well, we're going to sacrifice you hitting 235, but you're going to hit 15 bombs. It wasn't any of that, you know? So there just needs to be a balance. There needs to be a balance, right? And I agree with you. We, we can't live and die by the home run, right? And Lynn, yeah, again, Whit Merrifield, for example, a guy that they could, she says that they could hit a bomb, but they could also win without homers. Indeed. I mean, Whit Merrifield was the perfect example. That guy could drop a bunt. He could put it anywhere in the field at any point, right? Could drop a bunt anywhere, anytime. So, um, listen, I agree with you 110%. I mean, I, I think that, but I would say this. Let me put it to you this way. When it comes to offensive approach, if you say we should live and die by the home run, I think that's inaccurate. If you say we should be purely small ball, station to station, I think that's also inaccurate. There's got to be a balance, right? You can't run away from the fact that the home run, I mean, it's it's as it's as as a part of the game now as as cracker jacks and, and hot dogs and cold beer. I mean, it, it really is. Like you hit a home run. I mean, it's just home runs. You live and die by the home run. Josh Donaldson a couple of years ago, right? He did like a he did a feature with ESPN and he literally said that they don't pay you to hit singles. They pay you to hit bombs. Right? Like, I mean, it's I talked about this, I think not last year, but two years ago. You know, that part of the problem, it's it's not even a South Carolina thing. It's it's just the culture of the game. It, it is. It's it's the way that the game has shifted. You know, guys no longer in the big leagues, you're not getting signed to be a 300 hitter and and and, and you know, to not hit homers. Like everybody hits bombs now. Everybody does, right? Everybody hits bombs. So it's it's and so you know college guys see that and amateur players see you know younger baseball players see that and it's like you know gone are the days of, of valuable like fundamentally sound guys. This goes for every sport though, right? I mean, you know, football we all want to see fifty yard touchdown passes, and in basketball we all want to see alley oops and big time dunks and and crazy long threes, and in baseball we want to see hundred mile an hour fastballs and. And 500-foot homers. It, it's just it, – it's the way the game has evolved and the way the game has changed. And you can either – you know, you can like it, dislike it, what have you. But the difference, I think, the biggest difference at the college level versus the pro level is this. You look at the pros, you know, yes, it's a team game, but it's also a bunch of individuals fighting for their own contracts and their own stats. And and that's fine and dandy, right? I, I love MLB. I, I'm, not, I'm not shitting on the pro product. At college, this is a team sport. Right, this is a team sport because you know what? Great, you hit three hundred, you hit twenty five bombs. That's great, but if your team went five hundred, you didn't even make the postseason. Who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like, who cares? What difference does it make? What difference does it make if your team doesn't do anything? Right. So it is really truly about just winning games. It's about finding ways to win games at the college level, and you know, again, to do that. Listen, Lynn. Sometimes a home run's great. <laughs> I mean, there it's. It is a power to be able to change the complexion of a game with one swing of the bat, right? That, that is a big-time positive to have on your ball club. But it's also, you know, it's also a positive to be able to grind out 
five, six, seven runs against their ace because you're able to put guys in motion, put a bunt down, hit and run, make their defense uncomfortable, make the pitcher uncomfortable, like be able to do those little things and also drive the baseball. The home runs will come. The home runs will come. And, um, you know, that's what we hope. We hope this team is that way. And, again, we haven't seen a whole lot of that in Mark Kingston's tenure. And so I understand if people – if people are skeptical, but, um, you know, you just got to hope and keep your fingers crossed that that will be the case. Guys, let's jump into a break. On the other side, I'm really excited. We're going to get ready for Kyle Peterson, ESPN college baseball analyst. He will join us. Very, very pumped for this. Uh, looking forward to this conversation. Guys, we're going to go ahead and jump into this break. On to the side, your questions, comments, calls, and Kyle Peterson will join the show. You're tuned in to The Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls, although right now the phone lines are closed because in just two minutes we're going to give Kyle Peterson a ring. He's actually going to join us via FaceTime audio, so I appreciate Kyle being flexible in regards to jumping on the line, and uh, we are going to chat with Kyle Peterson, ESPN college baseball analyst. I'm really excited, guys, because if you did not hear the first conversation, I ever had with KP back in, uh, it was, I think it was 2021 though. You know, KP was obviously instrumental on, on the call for um, the, you know, the run in the college world series that South kind of had right back in 10, 11, 12. And, you know, we had so many great conversations. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Also talk, uh, you know, you know, also talk current day college baseball. We're not necessarily going to get in the nitty gritty of this South kind of baseball team, because I, I don't think Kyle, you know, I, I I don't know how exactly how closely Kyle follows it, um, you know, in regards to, like, knowing this year's team. But, again, we'll have a great conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Um, again, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. I, I really do appreciate it here on this Friday. TGIF. Final Friday of the month of January, by the way. We're about to go into February. And, hey, the good news is there's Gamecock baseball. In February. Also, guys, South Carolina, Georgia, tomorrow on the hardwood. Gamecocks have got a win streak against the Dogs on the line. I think Gamecocks have won something like 11 in a row in that series. And uh, it's getting getting harder and harder to trust the homie Lamont. I'm not even going to lie to you. But, uh, no, I, I, listen, I feel confident, Lamont Ferris. We just – we knew it was going to be a tough year. I think the thing I just hate the most, though, is it's like we're just repeating ourselves over and over and over and over again about, you know, why this season's going the way it is and, and the issues and, and stuff like that. And it just gets to a point where it's like, all right, we we get it, right? We get it. <laughs> we we get it. We understand what the deal is. So, uh, anyways. All right, we've hit 1 o'clock. Let's go ahead and give Kyle Peterson a ring. Let's see if we can get him on the first ring here. Here we go. KP, what's going on, man? It's Chris Phillips of the Spurs Up Show. How are you? I'm good, Chris. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. Hey, I appreciate you taking the time. Really looking forward to chatting with you. And I know my audience is uh, excited to hear from you, my man. How you been? I know that uh, Dave Portnoy made the joke, obviously. This is the time of year, I guess, you go into hiding <laughs> once college baseball season ends. And I was... I was taking a look. I know you live in beautiful Nebraska, man, out in the middle of the middle of America, if you will. And um, I've been playing a lot of golf too, but it looks a lot different than the golf you're playing these days. Because I saw a video from I think two weeks ago of somebody chipping off of a frozen lake or a frozen pond or something. So how's the uh, yeah. how's the off season treat Kyle Peterson these days? That was my boy. Well, I um, 
so I own D1Baseball.com with Kendall and Aaron. Okay. And so that takes a fair amount of time in the offices and just kind of running that. And then with four other guys, I own a commercial real estate firm in Omaha called okay. Colliers. So, which actually has a, they've got a, a pretty good office in Columbia. So nice. yeah, my, I, <laughs> I kind of keep that stuff out of view, mm. but it, it's, um, that that's, I guess the, the real job component of my life. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, no, hey, and what a fun time it is, man, talking college baseball. And obviously, got you on here. Really exciting. You know, I've urged people to go back and listen to the combo you and I had, I think, almost two years ago now. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it was a while. Yeah, it's been been a bit. So, again, I I appreciate you, uh, you know, jumping back on, being cool. And especially, you know, here, you know, with Gamecock Nation and myself, we love college baseball and you love college baseball. And I love listening to you talk about it because it is evident listening to you break everything down that you really do do truly have a – have a passion for the game, and I, I certainly appreciate that. So uh, let's go ahead and get into it. Not on the Gamecock side yeah. of things. I want to ask you about this, though, because I'm, I just was scrolling your Twitter feed and kind of seeing what you've been up to. And, you know, I know you reacted to this, and, and it's a bit overdue, right? But the D1 Council approved a measure, and this comes from Kendall Rogers, to turn all volunteer positions in baseball and softball and, into full, and in all full sports into a full-time coaching position without recruiting restraints. So finally – we're getting the paid assistance, and it's it's just a little bit of what baseball and softball truly deserve in regards to a piece of the pie. But just talk about the decision for the NCAA to finally approve that and sort of move the game forward, if you will, starting July first, twenty twenty three. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's long overdue, and and I think most within the game felt the same way. And I mean, I, I think there was probably a, a variety of bureaucratic reasons why it didn't happen. Um, but the the reality is, is there's no. There's no sport that had less coaches um, per student athlete than baseball did, and obviously, at some places, you know, it, it's it's the number two revenue sport. Not not a lot, but a few. And so, I think it's I think it's longer. I think the biggest thing that, that maybe got overstated in this, or maybe understated in this, was I mean, obviously, some of those guys were getting paid. In fact, all those guys were getting paid from camps and clinics, and and some of them did okay. But the bigger thing was is they couldn't recruit. And what I heard continually from from coaches that were being paid was, you know, this this hurts our overall game because these guys that are trying to go get a paid job have never been able to go out and recruit, which is the lifeblood of any program. And now it allows at least one more coach to go out and have the ability to do that all over the place, which I, I think just from a, you know, bettering yourself as a as a marketable coach is only better for those 280 hopefully guys that get a chance to go do it. So it, it, it made the game better that day, that's for sure. Now, KP, I want to go back before we talk about current day Gamecocks, SEC, college baseball as a whole, because, you know, the combos that you and I had, you were on the call, obviously and heavily involved in those broadcasts when South Carolina went back-to-back in 10 and 11. And while that feels like maybe a distant memory to some, it's it's still just you'll never forget where you were, what you were doing, and and those memories will last a lifetime. So I'd love to hear from you just, you know, for those that maybe did not hear that first conversation we had, just expand on that a little bit because you've been fortunate enough, obviously, to cover a lot of postseasons, whether it be SEC tournament, College World Series, what have you. When you think about all, all of the great College World Series that you have watched and you think about all the great teams as well, uh, I, I guess I don't know about saying where does it rank, but when you think about that Gamecocks team and, and the stretch that South Carolina baseball had in 10, 11, and 12, you know, it's and funny. 12, I've joked yeah. with guys on that 12 team, Adam Matthews and others, about how does it feel to be on the most forgotten Gamecocks baseball team of all time? Because it's funny, people don't even remember 12 because they didn't win at all, right? Pretty harsh yeah. expectations. But uh, when you think about South Carolina baseball back then, 
you know, what Ray Tanner was doing and all the great players and, and all the legends that were born during that time, you know, what, what most stands out to you as someone that was so close to the action? Well, I mean, the, the, the last game of Rosenblatt, I think is, is always going to stand out the most. And I think what, what people maybe forget about that is who was on the other side. I mean, you had what ultimately turned into be two all-star arms on the other side and, and Garrett Cole and, um, oh, I'm blanking Trevor Bauer from Dodgers. Trevor Bauer. That <laughs> I think Bauer was warming up in the bullpen, if I remember right. Yeah. He didn't come into the game, and, and then obviously the hit goes down the right field line, and and arms go in the air, and everybody goes crazy, and the bugler comes out and plays the sound, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's a little bit different for me just because I grew up here and went to games there and got to play there, and that that still is the one I think from a final standpoint. Um, that stands out the most. I saw Whit sent something out this week about, you know, I, I learned how to keep my hat on in, in <laughs> interviews or something, and it was the post-game interview from that, which I didn't remember, and quite honestly, I didn't really recognize myself um, from whatever that was 13 years ago. But th- that is a moment, I mean, a walk-off to win a national championship, you, you just, you know, that's such a rarity anyway. But then to do it in that environment, um, and, you know, Michael Roth comes onto the stage and, you know, the game against Clemson and then everything else. And, and, you know, essentially they built a statue of him after that, but it's the, the tournament so often is built on um, maybe names that you didn't think were going to drive it coming in and, and the entirety of the NCAA tournament, not just the college world series. And, you know, I don't know if anybody walked into that college world series and said, Michael Roth is going to be determining factors to whether or not South Carolina wins a national championship. Um, so I think all those things combined with with the history of Rosenblatt makes it for me, it's one of the most memorable. I, I'm not a hey this team's the best ever or second best ever anything like that. I, I I think that's a hard game to get into. But um, obviously the environment that they did it and the way that they did it is one that that, that there's plenty of people outside of game cognition that remember that pretty well. Yeah, it was special. And you, you think about how many consecutive they won in the postseason, too. I mean, it was just absolutely incredible. And, again, yeah. I've, I've had the, the privilege to talk to so many of the guys that, that were on those teams. And Adrian Morales is one that I'm sure, again, you remember that yeah. name. And uh, he's a guy that you ever get to chat with him, he will have you running to run through a brick wall. He's doing a great job down in uh, Miami-Dade, coaching a junior college, and, and just a, a fantastic dude. I'm hoping he finds his way back to Columbia at some some former fashion on the coaching side of things. But, you know, he told me in 10, it was like, oh, this is so cool, first time ever. In 11, it was business, but still, it doesn't take away from just how special it was. And, and you know, you talk about it. it's It's, you know, we talk a lot about coaching in every sport, but it's just really players that make plays, man. I mean, there was no coaching magic that made Michael Roth do what he did. Jackie Bradley Jr., mm-hmm. obviously a, a freaking all-star at the MLB level. Christian Walker, Whit Merrifield, the list just goes on and on and on of, of a fantastic players that were on those teams and, and just what a run it was. And, you know, KP, I, I don't think a streak that'll be broken in regards to the, the consecutive postseason wins. I think it was like 22. I mean, it's just yeah. hard to fathom. They just kept finding ways to win games. So I tell you the other thing that sticks out as a following year, because I, I, I vividly remember when Jackie caught the last out of the college world series and threw it in the stands. I'm like, <laughs> what, what did he just do? <laughs> Like that, and I don't, I, I don't know the history of that. Like, I don't know if he ever got it back, or if the university got it back, or even have caught it. I'm, I'm sure that somebody wrote the story multiple times over, but that, that's the one that sticks out the following year. Aside from the fact that, you know, you got a team that hadn't won it, and then they come back and win it again. And and one of the cool things that that I mean, this is this will be my 21st year doing this for ESPN, but I think one of my favorite things, um, one is just getting on college campuses and seeing the way that it is, but but two is. 
is honestly creating friendships with coaches and administrators and those around the game that, that I didn't know before I got into this. And, and you get to know them best in runs like that because we're around them the most. And that's when I really got to know Ray the most. Um, and then, you know, that was during the process of the new ballpark being built and hearing kind of his, the way that he was involved in every step of it. And, and, you know, you see people from afar and then, and then you're around them in a game situation, but you don't, you don't really know them as much. We're fortunate in Omaha that we sit with them the morning of the game and you really get to know these people as people, not as a coach or whatever else it would be. And that, that still is, is one of my favorite things about this job is, is getting to know People like Ray Tannell, people like Chad Holbrook in, in situations like that, that you're just around for extended periods of time uh, because then it's it's not just Coach Tanner, it's Ray. Now, moving from then, KP, to current day South Carolina baseball, we'll start there. And I guess I just want to ask you this from an outside perspective. You know, it's crazy. The, the SEC, the jump it's made as a conference from that point to now, when you look across yeah. the conference in regards to facilities and just teams and – I mean, it's wild, man. One through seven in the SEC West are elite, practically. I mean, there's there are no off weekends when it comes to the conference. Now, I look back, like Tennessee used to be a gimme for the Gamecocks. It used to be just an easy weekend, yeah. whatever, no big deal. Now, Tennessee is one of the best programs in the country. Like, everybody has stepped up their game and elevated their game. But, you know, and I'll tell you this, KP. Again, I know things have changed, and South Carolina comes into a very pivotal year this year. But I still view Gamecocks baseball as one of the top programs in the country. I, I, I really do. I think the expectations, you know, I don't think it's fair to say Omaha every year or bust, right? But, you know, I, I think getting to Omaha should be the expectation. I know some have, 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 have maybe scoffed a bit or maybe they think the expectations are a little bit too high, especially when you look at the way I think Chad Holbrook's tenure went. And I mean, anybody who followed up Ray Tanner was just going to have a really tough time, right? You yeah. got three straight national championships. Yeah. It's, hey, if you're not getting to Omaha, you're not, you're not doing well enough, right? So, um, you know, all he was doing was winning 40-plus games per year and getting to the Supers and just could not get over the hump. So, w when you look at South kind of baseball, again, just from the national perspective, your overall thoughts on the state of the program right now, because, again, they come into a really big year – but I don't think South Carolina fans should back off of the expectations that are, you know, this is a program that, again, you have to keep things realistic. Baseball is an extremely tough game, but this, this is a program where I think excellence should absolutely be demanded. And I, I think they should expect to be at minimum of top 25 program every year. And, you know, going to the postseason every year, hosting more often than not. And, um, you know, I know that might sound like a, an extreme for some, but I think for South Carolina baseball, I think that has to be the expectation. What say you just from the, the outside looking in. Well, the first thing I would say is it's really hard to do what you just explained wherever you are. And, and regardless of, of history and funding and everything else, I mean, I've used this and this is not to not Kentucky baseball, but it's kind of just to illustrate this to, to fans that aren't SEC baseball fans. I mean, Kentucky spent $65 million on a baseball stadium. They've never played in Omaha, Nebraska. Like that in and of itself is like, oh, hold on, this this league's a little bit different. Like they, they view it, and, and obviously, you know, D1 baseball came out with the rankings last week, and I mean, seven of the top ten are from the SEC. Now, I don't know if it'll look like that at the end, but it's there for a reason because it's it's built on talent and potential and everything else. So I think with that and with the league that they play in, and then you bring Texas and Oklahoma in a few years, um, you know, an expectation to host a regional every year is aggressive because it's really, really hard. And, you know, when you talk about elite programs, I, I don't, you know, if I were to say top five, top 10, 
South Carolina is not a top 10 right Top 20? Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, but And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a reality of, of kind of what spins sometimes in the cycle. You can also get back to really quick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it, there there is a – with this transfer portal, and all you got to do is, is look at what it looks like, you know, South Carolina's lineup is going to be this year. Mm-hmm. It, it just changes the game, and it can change it so, so quickly. I mean, look at LSU this year. So with that, I mean, I think, you know, you get a fan base that, that A, is incredibly loyal, but B, really knows the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're aware of the history. You know, I, I think there is, I would say, fanatically unrealistic as most other top programs <laughs> to where you, you just expect, well, we did it before and you can do it every year. And that's just not a reality, mm-hmm. not in the way that it is right now. This isn't the mid-90s. You know, it's <laughs> not when LSU could go win six national titles in 10 years because everybody cares more. And South Carolina is one of the reasons why they do care more. And so you're kind of, you know, you get to be, um, you get to be a, a little bit of a victim of your own success because as more people have success, then other people want to jump into it. But that being said, yeah, I mean, it's, it's consistently, um, it's going to have every opportunity to, to be a top 10 program and to be that team that has a chance to host. And I think it's going to really, um, I think Mark's got a really interesting lineup and obviously he's got some arms this year, but, if they stay healthy, you can match up with anybody. You know, Kyle, what's funny, I think the last time you and I spoke, I don't even think transfer portal NIL was really a thing, just to give you a perspective yeah. of, of what our last conversation was. So, again, that has really changed the game. And you look at this year's lineup uh, from D1Baseball.com, their projected starting lineup, which basically falls right in line with what mine was going to be, six of the nine starters are going to be brand-new guys. And I think five of those nine, they were not even on your roster last year. You got transfers from everywhere from Vanderbilt, Southern Miss, Memphis, Oral Roberts. You know, you just touched on it, but your just overall thoughts on the way the transfer portal has changed the game. I I really feel like, though, KP, what it's substituted for, you used to see this a lot. I mean, Ray Tanner utilized JUCO unlike anybody, right? He loved going to the JUCO ranks, pulling big-time guys, and it worked out really, really well. I mean, some of the best players in school history – were JUCO guys. So maybe in baseball, you don't feel the effect isn't quite as drastic as like a football. We're just not used to guys going from one SEC school to another and playing right away, right? That is a very foreign thing. But your just overall thoughts on it, I mean, I, I think it's it's great that guys can take advantage of the opportunity and, and go better themselves. You know, we saw LSU. Uh, Tommy Tanks is now wearing purple and gold, and that's yeah. going to be really, really interesting to watch. I know there's a lot of folks in Raleigh that are not very happy with how that went down, but – you know, you're just overall thoughts on the transfer portal, and, and I think obviously it's going to help these SEC schools as they're able to kind of go go pick on a, on a Southern Miss or an Oral Roberts or some of the schools I just mentioned and say, hey, come play SEC ball because there aren't a whole lot of guys that are, that, are, that are talented that are going to say no to that opportunity. But you're just overall thoughts on the way, the role that's playing in the game, if you will. Well, I mean, think about this, right? So, I mean, you've got Will McGillis is going to hit in that whole lineup, I would assume, somewhere yeah. um, from Southern Miss. And Waldrop, the kid that's at Florida right now, was at Southern Miss last year. And Southern Miss hosted yeah. Ole Miss in a Super. So you've got a team that hosted in the Super and two kids, like, they weren't on the bench. I mean, they, they were significant, massive components of what that team was. And then ultimately, you know, they're, they're going to two-story programs for one reason, to – to have a chance to play their career out and ultimately hopefully play in Omaha. So, I mean, I think the portal is, first of all, I think it was needed. Mm. I mean, I think it's hard to tell kids in a, really in any sport, but in a, in a partial scholarship sport, Hey, 
you can't go anywhere. Well, that, that just, it just doesn't seem American to me. I'm sorry. Like if, if, if you want to go somewhere for whatever reason it is, now I think, you know, I don't think you should have the ability to bounce every year and not have to sit. But, but I think the way that we've got it set up now is okay. The other thing is, it's not going anywhere. It's like NIL. I mean, NIL may get tweaked, but you don't, the door's open. Like the, that door is not closing. There may be other restrictions that come along with it, but it's not going to go away. Ultimately, um, I, I think it's it's three things that make it really hard for coaches. One, you got to recruit your own kids, which sucks. I mean, you, you feel like you got to recruit your own roster at the end of the year based on what happened. Two, I think they look at high school players very differently now. Because if I've got the ability to go out and get Will McGillis that hit 15, 18 home runs last year, and and I know this dude can handle Division One baseball, I'm a lot more apt to take a chance on him that I had to take a chance on a high school kid that, okay, I've seen him on the circuit and everything else, but I don't know he's going to handle 95 on a weekend in the SEC. I, I got a pretty good idea how this kid's done. Um, and I think that's where it's going to get interesting, that trickle-down effect, to see how it affects the recruiting of the high school kids because less of those are going to sign because, like you said, I mean, you get five or six in the lineup for South Carolina that weren't even on the on the, <laughs> on the roster last year. Um and then I think the third thing is, is those that have now found, listen, this is the way that it is and whether I like it or not, if I don't play by it, it's going to hurt me. Mm-hmm. But I talked to one coach in the SEC last year that said, I fully admit we were a year behind. Like we got a few, but I mean, look at A&M. A&M went to the College World Series last year because of the portal. It's just that simple. Like they went out and got dudes that could play. They didn't know if they're all going to mesh and mix and everything else, but they weren't going to get there with the previous roster that they had. Truth be told, I don't think South Carolina would have got there this year without with the roster that they had. But yet, you go out and get the guys that you did, and then you bring arms back and hopefully stay healthy. Now you got a team that you look at and say, okay, if things fall right, we got a real chance. Um, and so I, I think that's the positive of it. If I was the head coach at Miami, Ohio, would I think the same way? Probably not. <laughs> because you're the one that's probably going to get pillaged more times than not. You grow the kid, you turn him into a prospect. And he says, you know what, I want to go up the street because for a variety of reasons, it's a better opportunity. But that being said, I don't think it's going anywhere at the top levels of the game. I will tell you that it's, it is going to make the product better. The old adage, KP, the rich get richer, right? So <laughs> you sit here in the SEC, that's generally yeah. how it goes. And again, you mentioned the Gamecocks. And, and I think what's interesting, you know, we had, uh, you know, your buddy Aaron Fitt at D1Baseball.com on the show yesterday. And you know, I think what's interesting, of course, D1 Baseball drops their preseason rankings, and South Carolina's ranked 23rd. And, you know, while that's the expectation, I'll admit I was a bit surprised that South Carolina found themselves in any preseason top 25 poll. And I do want to give, by the way, you guys credit, because Mark Kingston made this point. Of all the top 25 polls, and, you know, all due respect to everybody else that covers college baseball, they, don't, they all do a great job and they assist in the growth of this game. But of all the top 25 preseason polls, D1 Baseball is the only one that actually came out and watched the Gamecocks in the fall. So, that's the one I'm probably going to put the most stock in. So credit to D1 Baseball for uh, for doing their homework, I would say. But, you know, I thought that was interesting. I was like, man, a team coming off of 27 and 28 last year, missing the postseason entirely is ranked in the preseason top 25. And Aaron and the D1 Baseball guys have made it very clear. They view the Gamecocks, like you mentioned, a Texas A&M, who in 2021, they went 9-21 in SEC play. Schlossnagel comes in. They completely flipped the roster through the transfer portal. And like you mentioned, hopes were high, but the question was, is it going to mesh? How is this going to work? And all of a sudden, Texas A&M finds themselves the top eight national seed. They're in Omaha. So the hope is, yeah. right, that that's going to happen 
for South Carolina. Now, will they be a top eight national seed? Will they go to Omaha? Who knows? But it's no question that the the path to improvement for this group is transfer portal plus elite pitching staff arms. And they hit the portal with a bullpen, too, with Proctor from Cal and Ricky Williams from Clemson and some others as well. Um, that could be a recipe for a deep postseason run. And I, I definitely want to talk to you, KP, about the arms. Will Sanders is a guy – you know, that again, as a national guy, KP, I don't expect you to know one through 16 or whatever when it comes to pitching staff. But yeah. Will Sanders, I feel like, is a name that everybody knows. Your front light guy, Friday night guy, has been a first-round projected guy. And I really feel like, KP, if, if South Carolina is going to have a season where they even overachieve past that number 23 ranking, they find themselves in the year maybe going 17 and 13, 18 and 12 in this league, hosting a regional, getting beyond that. A guy like Will Sanders, you know, what I love about baseball is it's not like football where the quarterback needs the O-line to work, he needs the receivers. It's all on Will Sanders. I mean, he needs his defense, he needs run support, but if Will Sanders goes out there and has a special season, an All-American type of campaign, I, I think you might see South Carolina get that deep postseason run they're looking for. Yeah, I mean, I, I think – so when you look at that staff, and I, I talked to our guys a little bit too um, – after they had seen him in the fall. And, and I think Sanders is the one that, that there's more of an elite track record on. Um, are we still going to wear the pants above the knees this year? I think is, he's is going pants up. Roll I, I think he's going okay. kneecaps okay. out as far as I understood. I, it's his okay. thing. I don't it's, know. It's, which, it, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's impressive in and of itself, but, <laughs> but it's, it's stuff that obviously will match up with anybody. But I think for me, you got to have an elite Friday night guy in this league. You just and you, you have to. I mean, there, there's no other way around it because, I mean, there's two reasons. One, you got to give yourself a chance to win game one. But two, you can't blow your bullpen. You blow your bullpen day one, it, it just it totally changes the the weekend. And and so you got to have a guy who can go deep. But but it, it's it takes elite stuff to pitch on Friday night in that league. And clearly he's got the stuff, but he's also got the pedigree and I think the history to say okay. You know, he fits in that. And, and then, you know, to me, though, it's 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 the next ones that are going to determine how they do. Um, you know, I know the reports on Jack, Jack Mahoney sound like they were really good in the fall to where he was up mid-90s. And, and obviously, you know, everybody's excited about the freshman Jerzenbeck. But, you know, you still don't know. You, you just don't know until they get out there. But it's got the stuff that you look at and say, okay, this does profile. And and Noah Hall's in a spot that I think you, you're very comfortable with him throwing on the weekend. So combine all of those, now one of them maybe pitches on a Tuesday, maybe one of them turns into a long guy or a spot guy over the course of the weekend, but now you, now you got dudes. Can you talk about some of the transfers? I, for me, if I'm going to bring, you know, it's, it's not very often that you can be Tennessee and bring your Friday night guy over as a, as a, uh, as a transfer. Like it just doesn't happen very often, but it's no different than the big leagues. Like they don't mention matching the bullpen every year because they know they can go out and get, you mean guys that are 95 to 97 with a power slider, all I need is for him to get three outs. And so I do think it's easier to plug those holes from a bullpen standpoint if you're going out in the portal as opposed to starters. Um, but, you know, I mean, injuries clipped them last year. And that's I think that's the biggest thing when you go into this is, all right, it looks really good. And if that holds and if, if that lineup with, you know, the few that they have coming back and then obviously the minute that they added – can stay healthy, they, they fit. I mean, they fit for a team that's got a real chance to, to be in that hosting discussion. And I was just looking at their schedule before we came on. I mean, I think they get Tennessee, Florida. I'm missing another one. They get Tennessee at home. They get Florida at home. LSU at home, too. LSU at home. Yeah, so you get Tennessee, LSU, and Florida at home. So if you want to go schedule scouting, 
I mean, that, that definitely helps now. I mean, this league, it's, it's not like you get any gimmies when you go on the road, but you'd still rather play those three at home. That's for sure. So that is beneficial. And, and it's a non-conference that until you get to Clemson should be one that um, a, they should win most of the games, but B, I, th- I think you can mix and match a little bit and figure out what you've got. So when you hit that Clemson pre-conference series and then you start rolling into conference, I think Mark's going to have a pretty good idea of who he wants out there. Now, KP, the dynamic that is Mark Kingston and Monty Lee, right? Not often yeah. do you have the head coach from your rival uh, come on to your staff as an assistant head coach and now practically your, your hitting coach, if you will. Obviously, Monty Lee was a Gamecock before, so yep. this was one that I was really excited when they got the addition. You know, I played with a bunch of guys that were recruited by Monty Lee, that played under Monty Lee, and I, I've never heard anybody say anything but have glowing reviews about him. I mean, he's a guy that's beloved. He's beloved in this state. And, uh, you know, I love having him on staff, but it is just a very interesting dynamic, right? I mean, have you ever seen anything like this? And and I guess, you know, all reports, again, from your guys are that they get along great. It works really well. But it's it's going to be an interesting dynamic to follow, no doubt. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll say this, too. I think from King's standpoint, like, it, it took a hell of a lot of self-confidence to bring money in. And, and I, the reason that I say that is, is obviously, you know, it's, he's got a tough job and, and you come off a year, regardless of injuries or anything else with a, with a losing record. Now you got a club that's got a chance to win. There's pressure. I mean, it just is. That's, that's the way this thing is built right now. And, and you bring a guy in money that's, I mean, he's really familiar with that place. And, and I, I know he was a head coach at Clemson, but there's a lot of people that still really like him. I mean, like if, you know, if, if you're, if, if you're worried about um, if you're worried about outside influences, um, you know, you, you may be less less likely to bring money in. In this case, I love the fact that he did it because I think he looked at it and said, hey, obviously he knows how to recruit the area. B, he knows the university. C, he loves the place, regardless of where he was before. And I do think sometimes, I mean, that, that you know, rivals or I think it's sometimes it's, it's built up a hell of a lot more with fans than it is with those who are actually wearing the uniforms. But. That being said, um, it makes him better. I mean, it's just that simple. Like when if when he comes back in that situation, it ultimately makes South Carolina better. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm glad he's there. I mean, you knew. I mean, just given what Monty's accomplished in this game, it wasn't going to be out of it very long. Uh, but I think it's cool, and I'm sure he's excited to be back in that uniform. How long he stays in it, the next opportunity we'll see. But I mean, as of now, it, it makes that club better. KP, I appreciate you being gracious with your time. One last thing before I get you out of here, and I, I feel like yeah. as we come into a new season, right, we sit here today, you know, chatting three weeks away from opening day and absolutely cannot wait. I'm, I'm getting chills just speaking with you, honestly. But, uh, you know, last year I feel like was was it was one of those subtle reminders of why we love this game so much. Because as you mentioned, Tennessee was the no doubt, hey, I picked them to win the national championship. It was just the no-brainer thing, right? They were the best team in all of college baseball throughout the regular season. And wouldn't you know what Ole Miss, the last team to get in, wins it all. And, and, like, that's the beautiful thing about baseball is that you just – you never know. A team can come out of nowhere and win it all. And so when you look ahead to this season and uh, the SEC as a whole, you know, just top storylines or things you're excited to watch. And I asked Aaron this question as well, and I feel like I know what your answer is going to be. But you mentioned seven of the top ten in the preseason poll are SEC teams. So, SEC or the field, who wins the national championship? <laughs> I'll still take the field. 
just because you're giving me <clears throat> a lot of teams that are pretty darn good, and I know they're not in the top mm. ten. But I, I, one of the main reasons that I take it is not – I'll, I'll say this for as long as I do this and as long as I'm on this side of the earth. Um, Tennessee's as good a college baseball team as I've ever seen. Mm. And they didn't get to Omaha. <laughs> and so I think it just – it shows you how hard it is just to get to that point. And in that same, our, our game is not set up for single games it's, it's just it's not it's it's built that's why they play 162 games in the big leagues because it it tells you the best teams are because of how long it takes there's too many variables that can take place over the course of three hours in baseball so all that being said I, one of the things that, that i'm most intrigued about is to see tennessee and they're going to have you know some new ones and some guys that moved on i, I would bet that you know, the swagger is always going to be there, but I, I bet it's it's dialed down a little bit from what it was last year. Um, there's still going to be the ones that everybody goes after. And then clearly LSU. I mean, you, you get what LSU has coming in from a transfer portal and everybody's talking about Tommy Tanks, but man, the Skeens kid's pretty, he's pretty special on the mound. Um, and there's not too many times you get a transfer from service academy that, that comes in and, and is going to step into the role that he is along with everything else that LSU already had. Um, Florida's intriguing to me. Because, I mean, it's weird to say Florida's been down. I would say by Florida's standards have been down a little bit the last few years. And I would think that, that they'll continue to hit the portal and the Waldrop kid's going to help a lot on the weekend. Names uh, and obviously Sloss doing what he did in the first place. And not because I'm on your show, but, you know, the, the lineup that South Carolina's throwing out there, is, it's really interesting to me. Because it is one of those that can change you really, really quick. And from a team that wasn't very offensive last year, they got a chance to be maybe not the most offensive in the league. You don't need to be with those arms, but man, you got to be in the middle of the pack if you're going to have a chance. And I think at least on paper, what they're throwing out there makes sense. And, you know, it, it took me eight years to get the piece of paper, but um, I am intrigued by Stanford. Stanford's good. Stanford's offensive. They can hit. They were an arm or two short last year, um, but they've built that program back to the point that, that they realistically are looking at Omaha every year. And, and, you know, the West Coast doesn't get the eyes that everybody else does during the course of the year, but generally there's a few there at the end that, that have a say in it. And, and I think if Stanford pitches, they're one of those that, that should be there in the end. Somebody's got to put on for the West Coast, man. Why wouldn't it be? Stanford, See? Right? So, somebody's got to. I mean, <laughs> they play some damn good baseball out there as well. KP, this has been a legendary conversation, man. I, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Obviously, I know you're with ESPN, SEC Network, and I know that – you know, the college baseball season, you really don't get that that full in-depth coverage, unfortunately, until we get about halfway. Let people know. I mean, when are you expecting kind of your first uh, your first appearances, if you will? Mm -hmm. I feel like we don't really hear from you until like late March, maybe early April. Yeah. But, but what, what's the schedule look like for you this season? Yeah, so we're actually so through D1 baseball, we're gonna we're gonna stream two events this year for the first time. So we're gonna stream the Round Rock Classic and uh, the Frisco Classic. So Round Rock's got oh LSU, Iowa, K State, Sam Houston, uh, OU, and Mississippi State are in Frisco. So I'm actually gonna go down and do Round Rock, and that'll wow. be February, I think, 26th through the 28th, which would be fun. It's the first time we're partnering with Peak Events. It's the first time that we've streamed anything through D1. So we're pretty excited about that. And then, honestly, from an ESPN SEC network standpoint, I haven't seen a final schedule, but it's usually middle of March. Mm -hmm. Kind of once basketball gets into the postseason and, and some windows open up is when we get out there. So I would hope middle of March uh, historically says that we're hitting it pretty good. And, and then we're off and running, man. And it, it feels like the countdown to Hoover and, and obviously the run to here. So I, I with you, three weeks is um, doesn't seem like that amount of time, but I'm ready for it to start right now. 
KP, can't wait to hear you on the call, my friend. Again, I appreciate and value each and every single one of our conversations and looking forward to another great season, my friend. Hope to chat with you soon. Amen. You got the number. Call me whatever. Absolutely. Appreciate you, man. Take care. Great stuff. Great stuff from Kyle Peterson, man. An absolute legend. Um, great conversation. I mean, I'm truly blessed and fortunate to have a great relationship with KP and uh, looking forward to another great season. Again, three weeks until opening day. Guys, that being said, let's go ahead and jump into another break onto the side. I do want to take your questions, comments, calls. We'll just run through the end of the show. Once we get back, you're tuned in to The Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, your comments, your calls as well. 843-790-3377. That is 843-790-3377. Here we go. Uh, KP asked about the, the attire for Will Sanders. Uh, it was confirmed yesterday at Media Day the high pants and high socks will return in 2023. So there you go. Kneecaps are out, our friends. Kneecaps out. That sounds like a great merch opportunity, right? Kneecaps out. Kneecaps out, baby. Kneecaps out. Kneecaps out. Anyways, guys, want to hear from you. D1Baseball.com crew got together to do a draft of the teams they thought were the biggest turnaround from 2022 to 2023. They picked a team from the SEC, ACC, Big 12, Pac-12, and each got four wild card picks. Here we go. In the SEC, Kendall Rogers, Aaron Fitt, Mike Rooney, and Joe Healy. By the way, I did not know, and I know he keeps it into wraps. I'm not going to go, like, blast this to the masses, but I didn't know KP was part of the owner of D1 Baseball. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Anyways, top turnaround teams. Kendall Rogers has Mississippi State. Makes a lot of sense. I couldn't believe how bad they were last year. Aaron Fitz got LSU. That one's, I guess, kind of the no-brainer. They weren't terrible last year, but when you go from what they went from to what they're probably going to be, I understand that. Joe Healy's got Alabama, who they've got 20th in their preseason poll. And Mike Rooney has the South Carolina Gamecocks as his most improved team from 2022 to 2023. Which, you know, to be fair, to be fair, it isn't hard to be much better than the, we were a season ago. Travis Allen says, Chris, I saw where Beamer met with Congressman Fry on an IL. Any idea on what it was about? The article never went into any detail. I Honestly, Travis, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's just, if I had to guess, I'm sure it's just, um, you know, in regards to legislation and what they can do and, and can't do and, what have you? We, we, we've got the puppies in the studio, by the way. Little, I live. Yeah, we got the dogs in the studio. You might see dogs walking around in the background. So if you do, just uh, just know. Yeah, there, there are dogs in here. Every dog loves their, their butt. Just pat on like that. So, yep. It's a, it's a good boy and good girl's day in the stew. What's up, bud? What's going on, bud? Anyways, guys, 843-790-3377. Again, shameless plug. You see the new merch here. Seven plus three equals touchdown. We got the Beamer Rattler 2023 hat. Very, very excited for all of our new merchandise. And appreciate the love we've already felt, man. We've already done really, really well when it comes to the merchandise we've dropped. Uh, so, again, I appreciate y'all. Guys, and, I, and I'll tell you this, man. I, I love counter football. Love football. Love football. I mean, I love it, truly. There's nothing like it. Nothing like a Saturday in the fall at Willie B. You know, I, I do love Gamecocks basketball, believe it or not, even though it's hard to keep up with this season. But that conversation we just had with Kyle Peterson, 
just chills. I mean, just chills, man. Talking South kind of baseball, and and there's there's you know not in a, as you see the tail wagging behind me. There's uh <laughs> there's uh you know there's few I enjoy listening to on the baseball side of things more than Kyle Peterson. Just 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 and I, and I hope I hope that I make people feel that way when they listen to me in the sense of like when I listen to KP, it's so evident his love for the game, his passion for the game, like it just bleeds out of him. He exudes that passion for college baseball and baseball as a whole. And and I love it, man. I, I truly love it. And again, that's why I love talking with, with KP so much. And I appreciate him and, uh, you know, being willing to come on this show and, and talk South Carolina, SEC, you know, National College Baseball as a whole and talk about the game. And we want to continue to grow the game. And um, But I get chills, man. I, I mean, I get chills talking South kind of baseball and, um, just the tradition and, and the pageantry and, and talking opening day and what the hopes and, and dreams and expectations of a new season, what they bring. It's, it's for me, man, it's, it's just unlike anything else. I mean, it really truly is. So I, I can't wait, can't wait for first pitch. And yeah, Lynn Turner, my co-host, yeah, shake wagging the tail. That's a, that's a, that's a plus, that's a positive. So um, yeah, yeah, I guess he approves also. So yeah, it's really, really good stuff. And um, I can't wait. Can't wait. Three weeks from today, and it's going to be really fun, right? We're going to be sitting here talking three weeks from today, um, talking Gamecocks baseball and, and breaking down the game. And, um, you know, we'll, 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 do the, we'll do TDC normal noon to two, and then first pitch will be at four, and we're off and running, man. We're off and running, so I can't wait. Anyways, guys, we got 17 minutes to go, 843-790-3377. Whatever you guys want to discuss as we go into the weekend, it can be Gamecocks-related. Not Gamecocks related. Um, it can be puppy dog related. We got the puppy dog. I think Olive wants to come back on the on the show on the mic. Can you? No, they wouldn't shut up earlier. Now they don't want to bark. So now they don't want to bark. Mm. So this is this is the. This is the queen of the household, practically, for the weekend. So, I don't know what she's doing here. You got anything to say? No. You're cam- she is camera shy, I think, for real. <laughs> she's like, put me down. It's a good girl. Good girl. Anyways, we got the dogs in the studio. We're loving it. We're loving it. Anyways, guys, new merch dropping too. New merch dropping on the daily. I'm getting after it with merch. Uh, Elizabeth, thank you. She says the touchdown shirt looks great. Olive needs a TSUS shirt. Yeah. Puppy dog clothes. Elizabeth, I don't know that my vendor makes makes dog clothing, so I'll have to – I'll have to <laughs> – have to figure that out, find a vendor or something. So I wish I could get Rio up here. Y'all can't see him, but uh, he's not a lap dog by any means. So I'm not even going to try to, not even going to try to do it. Let's see. Anyways, guys, check out the podcast that dropped yesterday, episode 754, right? 754. Uh, full breakdown of the Gamecocks catchers, also updates with everything South Carolina football. Um, we also had that great conversation with Aaron Fitt of D1Baseball.com. And, um, 
really, really good stuff. You know, it's, it's, you know, the thing that makes TSUS stand out, I actually just started a book this morning called The Obstacle is the Way, right, by Ryan Holiday. And, I, and I'm someone that, uh, you know, lately, lately more so, I've really gotten to stoicism and, and the, the practice of stoicism, if you will. Uh, just finished up reading Meditations, Marcus Aurelius's writings, if you will. And it's, it's wild how his, his ancient wisdom still stands true to this day. But the obstacle is the way and, and the premise of the book, and I literally just started it, though, is about that the thing that stands in front of us, the obstacle that we seem is insurmountable, the adversity that we think we cannot overcome, it is actually the path, right? The path to greatness is not the one of least resistance. The path is one where the obstacles lie. The obstacle is indeed the way. The obstacle becomes the way, right? When you tackle the adversity, right? It makes you better and you get closer to achieving your goals and your dreams and your desires, if you will. Um, I say all that because of the sometimes tumultuous things. I say tumultuous. In the grand scheme of things, they're really not tumultuous. They're, they're almost kind of silly when you think about like what's important in life and what isn't. But sometimes things can go awry or get kind of crazy on social media, what have you. And, 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 and there are some shouting from, from certain corners to, to bend the knee or change who you are, or make some adjustment, but the obstacle is the way. And, and I'm someone, I, I don't change up who I am because of some sort of adversity or some, some faint shouting from some party. No, I've more so throughout my entire career stayed true to who I am. And, when so many clamor for things to go their way or, or, or for a change or you need to say this or you should be doing that, it's a lot more fun to double down on being who you are, to double down on what you believe in, to double down on, on your path, on your mission, and in doing so, achieve massive success, truly. It, it really is, and that's how I've always operated, and that's what I've always done, and I will continue to double and triple and quadruple down on myself. I will never stop betting on myself. So when I make decisions in regards to, for example, Mark Ryan joining this show every single Wednesday, when I make decisions, for example, going on his show every Monday, when I make decisions in regards to how I tweet, how I post, what I do, what I say, you know, I'm not a perfect person. I've, I've sent imperfect tweets. I've had imperfect opinions. Um, if you so want to label it that way, but I've learned lessons along the way, along the way, you know, I've never claimed to be a perfect human being, but I am someone where I tackle the adversity head on and I run towards it, not away from it. And that, that, that has, that is what has separated. That's what separated TSUS from any other entity in this space. Truly things have happened along the way that and I'm someone guys you know it's funny I, I'm someone through through many different things in life I'm, I'm someone that at times I can be a bit naive about some things and, and I and I admittedly and so I even have to take a moment to stop and to recognize right that this path and this journey that we've been on over the last six years it, it is not normal it is an abnormal path it is a unique path because there have been so Many moments where, where adversity has struck. Again, I'm not trying to, to use that word adversity as like some, some really terrible thing, right? Like somebody blocking you on social media is not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of life. But when it comes to this space, right, we have run into roadblocks. We've run into obstacles, if you will. We've run into things that would have destroyed other people and other entities and, and would have made people 
change course so harshly in a way, not in a way of pivoting to improve and get better, but pivoting in a way where they completely lose themselves and you no longer who you are because you're trying to appease so many different people. When you try to appease everybody, you know who doesn't get appeased? You. And at the end of the day, that's all that really matters, right? If you're not pleased with the world is, what did you gain? But there's been so many things along the way where we could have crumbled. We, we, we could have... We could have caved. We could have said, oh, my, you know, we, we, i got to take some time away. I've got to completely change this. This person doesn't like this. This person said this about me. How do I keep going on? And we just continued. I'm wired in such a way, guys. Not only do I not care, not only do I ignore it, not only do I block it out, but I use it as fuel for the fire. And maybe that's a twisted way, <laughs> twisted sense of operation, but I am fueled more so by – love and perspective and gratitude, but I'd be lying to you if I said that I wasn't fueled by those that loathe me. Not, mu not, not as much as those that love me, but those that loathe me play a big role because you may have noticed how many guests did we have on this week, right? We got more guests coming on next week. And that's not to say that, I mean, I love bringing guests on, but when the heat gets turned up, Right When the heat gets turned up and there's people trying to throw shots here, throw shots there, it fuels me to make more content. It, makes, it fuels me to make more merchandise. It fuels me to do more. I'm like, we need to do more. We need to do more. That's one of the reasons I create so much content. I do it for me. I do it for you all, the masses, to drive value. But it's, it's, it's just, it, it is, it fuels me to, to double down and bet on yourself and, and just, just flood the market with value. An undeniable amount. An undeniable amount because you can hate my guts, right? And there's, I think that's a lot of the reasons why people take the shots they do and say the horrible, twisted, untrue things they do because you can't deny the success of what we're doing. You, you just simply can't do it. You can say whatever you want, about anything else, you can talk about my beard, you, you can make up lies and rumors and spread things, but you can't deny what we are doing. And the fact that there's people that want to wipe TSUS off the face of the earth, wipe it off the internet, there's even people on the, on the internet, not many, but some that would encourage the harassment of me as a human being. Again, I've seen it on social media. I told you guys about it yesterday, but there's some craziness out there. But when you're doing as big a things as we are, there's people that want to put that to a stop because it makes them uncomfortable because they see it. They know. They recognize what's happening. And so it's a compliment. It's a compliment. Guys, it's, it's a compliment to, to have those, to have people that want to cancel you. That's what so many people miss. It, it is. It's a compliment because there's something to be canceled. There's something massive going on. If I wasn't doing jack shit like some of these other people, if, if we were, you know, a thousand follower on Twitter, not doing nothing, not making waves, too scared, staying in our own shell, you know, not being bold, not living life to the fullest, not living life boldly. Nobody'd want to cancel me. Nobody wants to ca cancel somebody who's doing nothing. You ever notice that? Nobody wants to cancel Joe in accounting, do they? Who wants to cancel Bill in finance? Nobody does. Nobody wants to cancel Olivia over at her sales job. Sorry, Olive. Nobody wants to cancel, you know, right? It's just weird how that works. And I'm not saying my goal is to, you know, I want people to want to cancel me. That, that's not what I'm saying at all, but it's just inevitable. It's inevitable. 
but we will not cave. We will not change up. I will continue to bet on myself forever and ever I'm in, and, and that's something that, uh, again, the obstacle is the way. The, the adversity and, and the turmoil and the heat, it is the path. That's why TSUS has succeeded the way we have. And I think people, people resonate with that. People resonate with the bold. They resonate with the brave. They resonate with those who are courageous enough. Nobody likes a coward. Nobody likes a coward. People resonate with those who are courageous enough to have an opinion, that are courageous enough to stand by it, courageous enough to make a decision and to not back down. And so maybe that's one of the reasons I was put on this earth, to be courageous, to be bold, to live life boldly. And I more than happily accept that. I, I, I love it. I love it. The day that I can no longer live courageously and live boldly, I prefer not to live. Bottom line. I mean, that, that just, that may sound harsh and over the top, but, uh, you know, memento mori, that's another stoic, stoic uh, philosophy. You know, death is inevitable. Death will come to us all. So I'm not scared of death. I embrace death, not to take this to a dark place, but, you know, I, uh, yeah. The story continues, my friends. The story continues. So anyways, we got five minutes to go. Eight four three seven nine zero three three seven seven. I was going to say, I'm not sure if there's anybody left listening to my ranting. But uh, <laughs> here on a bit of a random Friday, uh, we go into the weekend. Gamecocks will take on the Georgia Bulldogs, right? In Athens, Stegman Coliseum. South Carolina's won 11 in a row. South Carolina has won 11 in a row. So, against the Dogs. Will that streak continue? Let's see. Let's see if ESPN, I doubt they have. Normally, ESPN's pretty good though about dropping an early line oh this is fox sports whoops let's see uh braylon bridges matthew alexander moncrief the top two players for well, what did that say one second guys what did that say okay excuse me i'm wrong South Carolina has beaten Georgia in 12 straight SEC get-togethers. Okay, 12 straight. 12 straight. So. Mm, mm, mm. Let's see. I'm trying to find the game summary. Let's see. Wow. <laughs> Woo! My God, folks. They listen, they don't even they don't have they don't have a spread yet. But the ESPN matchup predictor, Georgia, who's not a great team. Not a great team. Three and four in the league, 13 and seven overall. Gamecocks, eight and twelve, one and six in the league. Georgia's got a 91.7% chance to win the ballgame. That's sad, guys. That's sad. That's sad. 
You know what's crazy, though? Look at how many teams suck in the league. We're one and six. Mississippi State's one and seven. LSU's one and seven. Ole Miss is one and seven. Who Ole Miss beat us. <laughs> you got Arkansas at three and five, Vandy at three and four, Georgia at three and four. I mean, God, dude. It's insane. Insane. Travis Hounds, I know you couldn't say or you couldn't stream a game, but any more thoughts on being on during maybe a midweek game? Travis, we'll see. Um, you know, I I just can't stream in the sense like I can't have the game on, right? So you you could just see me. You could just see me if you want to do like a live stream watch along. But um, you know, I, I would say your best bet, honestly, Travis Down, is we're gonna be watching basically all the games in the Big Cock Club Discord. So if you want to check that out, we'll be watching all the games in there. We can actually watch those together. But in regards to in regards to streaming, um I don't know. I don't know that we could really work that out. Uh, again, we can't stream the game because it's it's not our video, and that that shit will get ripped down in a heartbeat. So, um, and I, I, you know, I was I'm thinking about it though. Maybe if we did like on Twitter, could we get away with it? Are there? Let me ask you this: Do y'all know of anybody that streams games where the game is on? Maybe if we did it on Twitter, we could get away with it. Maybe tw- I, I feel like on Twitch it'd get ripped down. I just know YouTube will rip that shit down in a heartbeat. YouTube will rip that down with a quickness, right? Robbie Davis says, Hall of Famer, my prediction for the game against Georgia. Georgia 77, South Carolina 55. So Robbie Davis is picking a 22-point loss to the Georgia Bulldogs. That is how you know we are down bad when Robbie Davis is picking a 20-point loss to a team we've beaten 12 straight times. But I can't even blame him, guys. I mean, I, I don't even have a I don't have a score prediction for you right now. I will drop one before the game tomorrow. But I mean, why would you pick this game, Cox team? The way we're playing, why, why would you pick us? Why would you pick us? Although, although I could, and how hilarious would it be? How hilarious would it be to see us get the dub? If Georgia can't snap the streak this year, they they'll like we just own them. We just flat out own them, guys. We've hit two o'clock and. I got a couple puppies behind me that are ready to go to the dog park, I think. You want to go outside? Oh, yep. I just said it. All right, guys. Hey, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much. You want to go outside? The tail is wagging. (laughs) All right. On that note, we're going to get out of here. Appreciate you all tuning in, guys. Thank you all so much. I'll leave you with this. Go Cox. Beat Georgia. And we will talk to you all on Monday. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.